Welcome once again. We're here on a Thursday night fresh after another semi-final heartbreak for England in 2019 is. So let's talk about 90s football, although there was probably more semi-final heartbreak there, wasn't there? Oh, we're not talking about that tonight. Anyway, it's 90s natter, of course it is, from Alive and Kicking. Hopefully sounding a little bit better this week. Apologies for the echoiness of the last couple of pods. I'm trying to work out sound issues um, at the manor at the moment, as it's called. Um, but yeah, hopefully this sounds a bit better, but we are working on that. Um, Joel bought a new mic, so he's working his end. So I'm trying to work out what's going on with sound issues, but hopefully this sounds a bit better um, than normal. Um, joining me, as always, for a bit of natter on the 90s. Um, firstly, he's been hanging out with Craig David, amongst other people. Um, he's a social media mogul. How are you doing, Joel Young? I'm all right. I'm very well. I wasn't hanging out with Craig David. <laughs> it sounds better, though, though, didn't it? Well, yeah, but what happened was we went to the Channel 4 upfronts last night at the Camden Roundhouse, which is Hob a nothing. sort of... Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I mean, it was free beer, so today was a bit of a plight. Um, but we went there. It's kind of like a thing for advertisers and program makers and all the rest of it. And so I went there in my current guise as um, first date's social media man. Um, so I went there with um, Grant and Austin and Laura from the show. And, oh, Merlin was there as well. Um, and it was quite good having Merlin, Merlin the bartender, yeah. yeah. It was quite good having him with us because he was sneaking us free drinks when we weren't allowed to have a drink. Uh, and we saw, uh, who else did I see there? Oh, we, we were dancing with um, Saoirse Monica Jackson from Derry Girls. I remember that. Oh, right, yeah. Saw um, Alex Brooker, who's um, a pal of mine, and yeah, from The Last Leg. Yes. Said a lot him. Arsenal fan. He is a big Arsenal fan. He's also. And he did, um, he did mock me about Borough, so that was good. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah. extremely messy, and um, yeah, I'd, I'd, if I tried to ring you last night, I'm really sorry. No, I don't think you did. No, not you, I just mean it, people in, in general. general. <laughs> no, uh, there should be a breathalyzer on my bloody phone. Yeah, that should be, I'm sure that's a thing somewhere. Um, of course, somebody who should, we thought might be just as in a mess tonight, having seen some pictures he sent us earlier on Twitter, of a lot of, were they, well, I don't know if they were shots or blue WKD, I don't know, we'll find out. Um, he's a writer of many plethora outfits. And he's Mark Wright's best friend. How you doing, Matthew Christ? Hang on, I'm just doing a Jurgen Klopp here on both hands, trying to work out how many people that Joel mentioned there that I haven't got a clue who they are. <laughs> you don't watch Derry Sorry, Girls. Sorry, Joel. Well you, need to, well, you need to watch First Dates. I mean, you don't never, have to. It's never, not aimed at you, Matthew. Never watched it. Well, no, no offence. I'm sure I, you haven't I, read I, every article I've ever written. Of you know. course not. I've, I've, I've barely read one. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Um... Yeah, they're just people off the show. Alex, Alex Brookie, you should know. No. Oh, well, no. He's a friend of Josh Whittaker. Oh, right? actually, yes, I do apologise. But then if I admit that I know who he is, and that means I admit that I've listened to another 90s podcast. There isn't another one. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only one there has ever been. in The original. Exactly, yeah. The original one best, yeah, of course. Um, so you've been to Mark Wright's house, is that where you were? You sent us some pictures on Twitter. Is that was that Mr. Wright's house, or it was? Us? Yeah, yeah. Oh. No, 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 no. It was it was Mr. Wright Senior. I had the pleasure of watching the um, Champions League final round at the, the the Wright household. He he inexplicably had been taken away by, by his um, lady friend to a cottage in North Wales and couldn't even watch the game because uh, they didn't have any signal there. So I had the pleasure of watching it with Mr. Wright junior and some of his mates and um yeah fine fine night was had by all and he's also um, been ringing up brian mcclare hasn't he according yeah. to the pictures no 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 hang on brian mcclare rang me oh, friend. oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah 
So, Fred, um, Fred off first dates followed me on Instagram today. Oh, come, on, come on, you can't. Look, I'm going to trump you on that one. If Brian McClare phoned you up or Fred off, what's it called? Derry dates or whatever. Then Derry dates. Yeah, yeah, that's well. Um, well, I mean, Ash, you're the jury. Who would you rather um, have a phone call from? Yeah, def- sorry, Joe. Definitely Brian McClare. That's yeah, thank you. <laughs> I, I was speaking to Kevin Clifton on WhatsApp. Does that count? Who's he? From Strictly. From Strictly, yeah. Oh, you talking is that the guy from Scunthorpe or Grimsby? Or? Well, he's from Grimsby, supports Scunthorpe. That's it, yeah. yeah I oh, see, I know somebody. That's, yeah. that's one out of seven. The iron. He's an iron. He is an iron. He's going to come on the show, he said, and talk Scunthorpe in the 90s, which I will very much have to do research be... for. Because <laughs> I have no yeah. idea what Scunthorpe did in the yeah, 90s. Yeah, my cousin played for them. Didn't, yeah. Alan, Nil, didn't Alan Nil play for uh, Scunthorpe in the 90s? I could be wrong. Both of them did. Both no, that would have been. There, that's true, that was yeah. before the nineties. Yeah, that must have been eighties for sure. It's one eighties reference that I'm not guilty of there. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, bringing it quickly before we talk about tonight's topics that uh, have been provided to us by a friend of the show, Dan Barker, which we'll get to in just a, a momento. Um, we've, we've all, I assume, watched England's heart. I say heartbreak. I mean, what is the Nations League? But disappointment tonight. Um, quick thoughts, as we'll probably be the first podcast there is talking about the game. I imagine. Literally did it, recorded literally just as it finished. Um, coming to you first, Matthew, did you, what did you think of the, the game tonight? Uh, well, I was busy putting my pear ciders in the fridge, so I missed the first half. Um, I, I thought it was to be expected, to be honest. I thought it was very a familiar story, going carrying on from um, last summer. I think, uh, you know, that England team are getting there, but, but not as advanced as some people might think. And I think when they come up against... Uh, I know that Dutch team aren't experienced by any means. I mean, they're a very young, young outfit, but they seem to be quite experienced in terms of their sort of fo- footballing now, so to speak. So um, I, I think there was a, a feeling of inevitability, inevitability about it. Um, I, I'm i going to kick this one off and just say I really, really think if VAR is going to go this way, then I can... I mean, I, you, anyone that listens to this show knows I really don't give a two hoops about football much these days anyway, but I think if it's going to carry on like this, I can't see myself even... Normally I leave at half-time. I think I'll probably be leaving after 10 minutes if this is the way games are going to go because it's just... I just don't see the point, do you? You know they're going to show it on the big screens at Premier League. Well, it doesn't make that's going to cause riots. Yeah, it, it's... Well, my my it's my problem, and it's been evident tonight. It takes that moment away, doesn't it? That pure ecstasy moment of seeing a goal scored. Whatever game you're watching, they all. Well, I just don't get. I, I, sorry, I, I just don't get this whole thing of oh, well, if the right result. I mean, I mean, why not just stop, end the game, and take it to a crown court and have a three-week trial, and then yeah, you know, if the right result. We tried that. Or tried that. I know. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, these pe- this isn't people's lives on the line. No, nobody's going to get hung for this or sent down for twenty-five years. It's a game of football. I mean, just go with the referee's decision. This whole stupid thing of not flagging for an offside, and then I mean, what's the point of the linesman? Yeah, really. And, and I mean, what is the point? It was like a it was like a shoelace offside as well. It wasn't. Well, I mean, if you're going to go right and wrong, you've got to accept. Okay, it's offside, but I just. And and then why did it take so long? It took, it took so two long. minutes to yeah. see that. Yeah, it did. It I mean, surely way too long. You, surely you can see that. I mean, if you're going to have it, do it, but do it within ten seconds. I mean, it's ridiculous. And and this the offside thing is just that. I think that is the most ridiculous point about it is that someone can go through on goal, score. Everyone knows he's offside, but because the linesman doesn't put his flag up, 
And then we, you know, I mean, talk, whatever happened to play into the? I suppose you've got to play to the whistle, but I mean, then what's the point in having a linesman? Yeah, offside's murky anyway, and handball's going to be the same next season when they have well, those. That's new, even yeah. a, that's even a different. I mean, new rules we saw that with United in that PSG game. To me, that wasn't a penalty by a million miles. But if that's the case now, then and the the one last night, the penalty that Switzerland got, I still don't yeah. see how that was a penalty. I mean, I mean, you know, they clipped and he clipped his own heels and then he went down. So that's that's a penalty. So that means that any contact in the box now is a penalty. I think it's going to be, the Premier League next season is going to be full of these. I think watching Sunday supplement and things like that is just going to be VAR. VAR. We're all going to be sick. Of I just, I'm sick of it already. It hasn't even come in. Yeah, um, Joel VAR side. Did you see much of the England game? I mean, it was a bit of a nightmare for John Stones and Ross Barkley, wasn't it? Really. Yeah, I mean, they've talked about everybody being, um, you know, Ross, Ross Barkley. Everything's done in the world good. Um, Kane wasn't fit, and I mean, we knew he wasn't fit. On, he what? He wasn't fit on Saturday night after the after the. Champions League game, so he, he didn't need to be played. Um, yeah, the defence was just all over the place, and that's where it's it's going to be looked at. You know, I think you've got to look at as well. And he he had a reasonable game, but like Fabian Delph hasn't started a game since Boxing Day. Stones rarely, particularly, gets his game, does he? I don't think. Well, he has been um, first choice this season, now. Yeah. It was the so, parents, um, you know, it's. It's, I mean, that's the tricky thing that we've got to deal with now with being an England team. But to be honest, I'd completely forgotten about the game. Um, I haven't been in front of Sky Sports News particularly this week, so I'd, I'd completely forgotten it was on until about four o'clock this afternoon. So that shows you how I thought, I thought you were going to say about nine o'clock. But I get, that still gave you four hours. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure I got in for it, yeah. yeah. But uh, no, not the most inspiring thing. But, um, you know, I think we did. We, we sort of slightly overachieved to get there in the first place. So Can I just throw a question in here? And I still yeah. don't get this. So, England are out. Yes. Uh, say Holland or Portugal win it. Yes. England will still qualify. If England won it, they would have... They, what do you get for that? You qualified for the... No, they've already qualif- qualified by winning the group. This is just like a bonus little tournament. So what's the, the, so what's the point then? To win a trophy. Is that is that all that comes yeah. down? I mean, I can almost understand it if you're Slovenia or even Scotland. But I mean, no, what? I don't see. I mean, look at the teams in there; they're all going to qualify anyway, aren't they? I think we're guaranteed that's no, because I got confused. I think we're guaranteed a playoff spot, no matter what. I think that's what it is. I still think yeah, we have to win the group. That's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah, we still have then, to win our qualifying group, which starts. Well, which has already started. But yeah, we've all. But our placing in the Nations League means we're guaranteed a playoff spot, no matter what. But then surely all the team, I mean, Holland yeah. would qualify, England would qualify, Switzerland, well, yeah. the, all those four. That's, that's the... Um, they all should qualify anyway. Achil- the Euros well, that's so the Achilles heel for me. Yeah. I, I think, I have the Nations League, but have it for the so-called lesser nations, you know, to give them, to, sounds really patronising, but to give yeah. them something to play for. I mean, what's oh, the give point them in, a chance. Give well, them but a it's chance. the playoff. Well, it's like the play, but it's essentially a playoff. I mean, what's the point in having a, that's like playing off to get into the top four of the, Premier League. I mean, you, I, I don't see been, the point. I think it's been better, and I think because friendlies are just tiresome. You'd, you'd get, you know, lots of the big clubs suddenly, you know, big players would suddenly get mysteriously yeah. injured just before, etc., etc., etc. So I think that, that to, it's um, been it's been really good. Um, but yeah, I get what you mean. It's still a little bit sort of convoluted, and we don't exactly understand what's going on and why. No, uh, I mean, I mean, it's I completely think... convoluted, and I mean, it's better. I mean... As you say, with those friendlies. I remember, was it a few seasons ago when we played Ireland at the end of the season? It was probably one of the worst games of football I'd ever seen. It was nil nil, and I remember it distinctly because Charlie Austin was in the England squad at the time. He's the only time he's ever been in the England squad, and Roy Hodgson didn't put him on even for five minutes, and he was at QPR at the time. And obviously, I was like, get him on, get him on. 
and beat yourself. But I suppose, I suppose the fact we're football. talking about it, I suppose the fact we're talking about it shows it means something. But I just the the second tier playoffs or whatever you want to call them. I don't know when they start, but I mean the ones that Scotland are in and Slovenia and Iceland and you know the. This, is it League Two of the Nations no, League? No playoffs for them. They've just, they've just been promoted to the next to the next Nations League. Scotland will be in a, a higher group. Oh, I thought I thought it was. Oh, okay. So, Apologies. Yeah. Shows how much I it's, little it's I know. The most, as Joel said, the most convoluted, complicated process to just have this competitive league rather than play meaningless friendlies, which I get, but they are complicated to death. Um, I thought there was a chance that Scotland could qualify for the Euros through the. Nations League. Well, they're guaranteed somehow. a playoff spot as well. Cause they oh, that's it. Sorry, yeah, it's a playoff spot, yeah. isn't it? Yes. Apologies. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it wasn't like that in the 90s, was it? So that's, that's talk 1990s football because that was much less convoluted. Um, and tonight's 90s natter. Um, we will have a full length episode um, coming your way next week. I won't reveal all yet because I'm still working on it. But yeah, we'll get a full length out for you. But we'll stick with the 90s natter um, for this episode. Um, yes, Dan Barker, friend of the show, somebody who talks a lot of 90s football and other bits and bobs on his Twitter feed at uh, BarkerDan10. Um, he's got a very good blog, actually, that uh, interviews people within the 90s industry, I was going to say. Maybe we'll, we'll call it that. Um, I've been on it. I've, uh, t- I've talked about KPR on it and a few others. Um, oh, I've been on it. Been on everybody's it. just everybody's just showing off, aren't they, today? Yeah. Oh, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm hanging about with Fred. He's hanging about with Mark Wright. You've been on a blog. I'm name-dropping myself. That doesn't make me in a good light, does it, really? <laughs> um, That's all right. Who have you been, you've been with people this week, haven't you? Who have you been with? Who have I been with this week? Oh, last week. Um, no. You went round with the WWE. When was that? That was while I was in Italy. Oh, that was a while. Yeah, that was like a few weeks ago. Yeah, Steph Houghton, I was with a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was my birthday this week, so I've had a pretty easy. Week. It was your birthday this week? Yeah, happy was. birthday! Ash. Sorry about that. Yeah, I did wish you a happy blinking birthday. You did. You both did on on Twitter. So thank you very much, and to everyone else who did on whatever's net social network. Thank you very much. Yes, it was a very nice, relaxing day. Although pissed down with rain. But hey, hey ho! Can't um, wish for everything on your birthday. Honestly, in his manor house, Matthew. It was yeah, I've heard raining. his house is so big it's raining in the front garden. In the back garden, it's um, <laughs> bright and sunny. Delightful sunshine. Yeah. If only you could see. I was in Rye, which is in Kent, and it was it's a nice beach, um, coastal town. But yeah, it pissed down with rain, and I ended up going into a manor house and having a big lunch instead. So. Oh, but talk about a busman's holiday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what, a great game show presented by Elton Wellsby back in the nineties, uh, if you yeah, remember. I do. Yeah. Remember that? You, yeah, you do. Remember I do that, remember yeah. that. Yeah, my mum and dad used to watch that about seven o'clock at yeah. night. That used to be on, didn't it? Yes, it did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Before Corey. Yeah. See, I remember. I'm, I'm not that. I'm not. See, I'm getting on now. Thirty-six this week. So yeah. <coughs> Holy moly. Holy moly, I know. I can see the 40 line on the horizon. Um, but that's I didn't what... care when I turned 40. I cared when I, t- I cried when I turned 30, but that might have had something to do with the fact that I'd been drinking since half past 10 in the morning um, in Glasgow, in fact. Um, but um, 40, I didn't care. That's funny, though. I spent my 30th in Glasgow as well. Well, what? It's... I have to stop there because that's a brilliant segue to our first point, Glasgow. <laughs> Isn't it? Now go carry on. Go on, you were going to say, Joe. That's all right. No, that was it. I sobbed when I turned 30. Absolutely sobbed. Uh, and then the next day I didn't care. But yeah, it was probably because I was full of Jack Daniels and beer and I'd been drinking since. And Buckfast. Very early. Buckfast. No, I only, I, I only ever drank Buckfast. I mean, God, made by the monks. Um, yeah, and Buckfast When I went to see Devin. Oasis at Loch Lomond in August of 1996, about three days before my 20th birthday. 
Here's a question for you, Ash. Have you ever heard of Buckfast or even uh, drunk it? Um, I'm, no, I have never drunk it. No, well, that no. doesn't, doesn't surprise no. me. Is it it's like whiskey? it's got the texture of blood. I'm assuming well, it's whiskey because you said it after Jack Daniels. No, no, no. It's oh. a, a, a fortified wine. wine. Oh. Yeah, and uh, my my mate Chucky was telling me the other day that oh, there's my a, mate Chucky. Uh, yeah. There's Ooh, a Chucky. There's a kebab shop in Glasgow, underneath Glasgow Central Station, that does Buckfast kebab sauce and he's promised oh me he's going to get me a bottle of it so uh, yeah. i mean that's just fantastic isn't it who wouldn't want buckfast kebab chili sauce on their kebab that's a, definitely that's a, that's a post-pub meal if ever there i've ever heard of one. oh yeah definitely. oh yeah um i mentioned glasgow because that's um dan's first point of discussion and it's something we've never really touched on on this show which doesn't happen very often i did at one point want to do a show on it and maybe we will in Longthorne at some point in the future. Um, he says superstar players playing for the old firm clubs in the 90s, um, which I was, I've expanded slightly in my notes. I don't know if you guys have even made notes or whatever. Well, you know me, Ash. I like a script. You do like a script, yes. We must mention um, the Football Pink podcast, which you were on. Is it out now? Is it the latest one? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah it was talking about the 1991 season, aren't they? That's the one, yeah. yeah. Very good. I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm, it's on my um, list to listen to. <laughs> Way too many podcasts on my phone at the moment. Um, but we're talking about the old firm. Um, and Dan obviously mentions the players, but also just as a general um, look back at Rangers and Celtic in the 90s very quickly from us three, because very different to what they are now. Much better teams. We've talked about 92 and the Leeds Rangers Battle of Britain before. Um, Rangers obviously dominated this decade. Um, coming to you first, Matthew, your memories of Rangers and Celtic in the 90s and predominantly the players that played with them. Well, it, I mean, talking about through rose-tinted spectacles, which this show is basically all about, but um, <laughs> I just I just seem to remember the, not just the old firm games, but both clubs just being a lot more interesting and exciting yeah. than, than now. I mean, I don't know. I suppose it, it could come down to money. I don't know whether there was more money in the Scottish game or less money in the English game or more of a, an equilibrium. I mean... I, if that makes sense. I mean, there just seem to be so, so much, many bigger names in, in Scottish football, particularly the old firm. But I mean, the, the, you know, the Loudrup, Gascoigne, uh, De Canio, you know, all Chris, I mean, I suppose Chris Sutton was a bit later, but you, know, the, you could watch an old firm game and it was, there were some big stars playing there. And, and Gee, now I'm... Van Bronckhorst. Van Bronckhorst, yeah. yeah. Arthur Newman. I mean, there were some fantastic players. I mean, even before that, going back to the 80s, you know, you'd have you know Chris Woods and um, Trevor Ste- Gary Stevens, Trevor Steven, you know Terry Butcher. Yeah, all they that. were all there in '99. That's what my first memories of those of Rangers was learning about the 1990 England squad and the fact that that quartet, yeah. that quartet I mean, played for Rangers and it wasn't. Yeah, and there were some cracking um, games between those two. I mean, I mean, there always are, but I mean, that was a, it was a pretty poisonous atmosphere. But uh, sorry. Joel, did you I was just going to say, what was at the time the attraction for the English players to go there? Was it a money thing? Was it the fact that Sunas was in charge and they looked like they were doing something big? Why, why was everybody... Because you're right, they did have this huge sort of English contingent. At well, I think, I think obviously Sunas went there and was trying to do something. And if I'm not mistaken, Scottish clubs weren't banned from Europe, were they? No, of course That's not. That's just no, yeah. what I was going to say. Yeah, so, the, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that anyone for a minute thought that Celtic or Rangers were going to win the European Cup but I suppose there was a big huge draw for um, 
for players that wanted to play in Europe. I mean, I mean, you think that the, a lot of English in, England internationals were playing north of the border is really hard to imagine. I mean, England, Chris Woods, England's England number two, yeah. arguably, arguably probably better than Shilton at the time, but didn't get the a look in really because of Shilton's sort of legacy. But um, you know, they were all playing in in Scotland, which is incredible, isn't it? To to think that's that's how it was, but. Um, I can only imagine that's what it was. I mean, obviously there wasn't a lot of money in the English game then, but you've got to—I got to assume that there wasn't much more in the Scottish game. So I assume it must just be—it must have been um, the, the the pull of Europe. But from what I remember, they all played for Rangers. There weren't really many English players play for Celtic, no, did they? No, Am I? No, not like I can remember. No, they had obviously the the, the foreign players that you mentioned, sort of uh, going through throughout the decade, and obviously ending with Henrik Larsson and. Um, and over Duca and Van Hooydonk but yeah Eng- I don't think off the top of my head not until as you said Sutton later on yeah I mean but generally I mean the whole the, the, that sort of exodus north was I mean it, I suppose you could trace it back to about 80 88 something like that I mean there was that infamous derby wasn't there I don't know if you remember it but there was where three players were sent yes. off in the Rangers Celtic game and you know because I mean the only time you saw Scottish football back then was on Satan Greavesy on a on a Saturday afternoon. They would show the the following week, uh, the previous week's highlights and Alan and Stubbs at Celtic, by the way. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just, but I mean, I'm talking about the, the European ban era, mm. you know, the sort of late eighties up until 1991. I mean, I think a lot of them, well, most of them went to Rangers. So, but and from what I remember, Rangers didn't really dominate in Europe so I'm not really sure what the point was. A lot to do with it, given the yeah and I think they had they did have money to spend didn't they back then they, they you know they just sort of redone the Ibrox and they they were quite a pioneering club sort of at the time it sounds stupid to say that now but but you've got to remember how rotten English football was at the end of the 80s and the early 90s so I suppose it wasn't such a, a shocking decision to to go elsewhere if you could play Alan Thompson get... as well at Celtic yeah, yeah that was yeah. later on as well wasn't it yeah one of England's great left wing hopes Alan Thompson I think he won everybody lot. played on that left wing yeah. everybody was unfortunately the best English left winger was playing for Wales yes. when he could be Old he Ryan. wasn't English Ryan Wilson he wasn't played English England school yeah, boys yeah. yeah but that doesn't matter that's you can play you could be German and go to school in England and play for England school boys it's where you're born or where your family are born. Well, let's not ask any half of the Irish squad in that era then who were... Well, but, he, but, he, but it was never an argument. He, he was oh, born no, in Cardiff and he wanted to oh, play for Wales. I mean, yeah. You're right. Well, sometimes you are he wanted to play for Wales, depending on if it was a friendly yeah. or not. Um, yes, true. I had a weird... This, is a, this story came to me today. I had a weird soft spot for Rangers because I remember going into a toy shop near me in Welling, I think, still there. It's called Nuxley Toys. Um, and at the time they had... It's really one of these random dusty toy shops that had just weird sections it had a puzzle section and they were and i was just getting into football and it had football puzzles of so it had like the classic team photo that you see every season that you put on your wall but they had really random clubs for a shop in you know southeast london stroke kent instead of having like Cholton or, or or millwall or even the big teams like man united arsenal they had like rangers and um aston villa and uh I think there were some lower league teams like Crew or something like that, and I bought this Rangers puzzle for some reason. And I think because when you say a puzzle, do you mean a jigsaw puzzle? Literally a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Um, some kids might not remember what they are. But um, yeah, I bought that. And I think because also they were called Rangers, I supported QPR. I was probably young not to get the fact that they were, you know, Rangers was an element into the, into the factor there. But I remember doing this puzzle and learning about Scottish football. And I got quite into being a Ranger. I wasn't a fan, but I quite followed what they were doing at the time. So, and then I remembered that Chris Woods played for them and Trevor Stephen and Terry Butcher, and Mark Haightley, who we haven't obviously mentioned as well. Um, Our friend Mark Haightley, yeah. Who at the time I didn't know what was to come if he'd switched Rangers in the mid-90s. But yeah, so I, had to, I remember I can vividly see myself in this toy shop and this Rangers puzzle. And it was just, it came to me today, one of my random childhood memories. Yeah. Um, I think Rangers were the sort of, the force of Scottish football in that era from, let's say, the, what, 88, 89? Well, I mean, they obviously they... Didn't they? It's apart from 97, 98, they won every yeah. league title in that day. Well, the poaching of... Well, Snapping, snapping up a Mo Johnson, which happened this yeah. week. I think it was in was eighty eight. Um, but that was the sort of a statement of intent there, wasn't it, from the club and from the manager? And you know, it was a real case of we're going to we're going to take this league by the by the horns and, and run with it. And that's exactly what they did. And by signing players like him, and obviously the players you mentioned, Richard Goff and Chris Woods and Butcher. I mean, they were they were the, almost the sort of Manchester United of the that era really weren't they they were I mean Celtic were almost um, not a forgotten force because you had fantastic players like well Brian McClare and uh you know, Paul it's, McStay. It's that a game. How many times we can get Brian McClare into the conversation? <laughs> but uh, but I mean, they were Celtic were a great team, though. I mean, McStay and um, uh, obviously McClare and, and Bonner and yeah, you know, but the Rangers seem to be the sort of showman of that era. I think in my, in my head, they you know I might get shot down for this, but they seem to be the sort of team that wanted to make a statement. And uh, I think by signing players that they did, they that's exactly what they achieved. Joe, any memories of the old firm in this? Did you hang your hat either side at any point? Oh, well, I learned not to when we went to this Oasis gig at Loch Lomond and, and some guy was saying to me, who do you follow in Scotland? And I had the good sense to say, you might as well ask me who I follow in Timbuktu because I was smart enough not to get on the side of, of anything there. Now if somebody asks me, I say Partick Thistle, but that's just because of my friend Davey. Um, Gascoigne blowing the flute and claiming he didn't yes. know what it meant. And then he tweeted the picture out the other day day oh paul 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 went around a couple of days ago we know what state paul gasquin's in at the moment so yes yeah yeah, it's not very good blessing um but yeah but that side and and then like i said you know giovanni van bronkost in that side um brian loudrop who you think um it's just really funny did they just go there because they wanted to, to win loads i find it sort of a bit baffling but i mean loudrop and gascoin were absolutely important um and they were at that level as well, as well. like they didn't sign Loudrop and Gascoigne in, in their kind of late you know early 30s heading into retirement your kind of late 20s peak of their careers they signed these guys it's like it's I think Gazza I think there's a story of him Walter Smith came to see him and I'll, and kind of wooed him into signing Rangers I'll make you a star and things yeah like that, that was in a hotel yeah. they met in a hotel yeah. at the World Cup didn't they I think it was the 94 World Cup was it they were in a both staying in a hotel in America, and they bumped into each other in the lobby. And um, I think I think Walter Smith's son said something like, "Oh, there's Paul Gascoigne. He's fan. You know, he'd be great to get him to uh, sign for Rangers or whatever." And I think Gazza said something like, "Oh yeah, come and see me," because he was obviously unhappy where he was. And Walter Smith basically got on the plane, found out where he lived, knocked on a few doors, and asked where Gascoigne's house was, and doorstepped him. And uh, Gazza let him in, and. Walter Smith sold in the dream, and he he signed sort of there and then. I mean, it's hard and that to was imagine. probably 
if, if, if you think apart from you know some of the time at Tottenham that was probably the most successful time yeah. of Gascoigne's yeah career, right? absolutely yeah because yeah. he took it to Everton with him as well from from us because yeah. Middlesbrough got him from Rangers and like as I've said a million times on here he was a shadow of what he was then I remember him having one good game um, but then that was probably the best and most consistent club football that he played plus he had managers that really loved him he had Smith at Rangers and then Terry Venables at, at England level managers that loved him and had faith in him, and we all all know that he's you know he needed that arm round the shoulder rather than the kick up the stage, isn't he? I mean, he probably would have got that at most clubs, but at Rangers, he was going to be you know, he had they had Brian Lauder up, but personally, would you remember when he signed? There were you know, thousands, thousands. it was almost yeah. sheer esque, yeah, outside Ibrox, you know, and um, and not just that, he has some great players playing around him. I mean, he obviously had McCoist there to feed you know, to you know, yeah. score yeah. the goals, you know. He he was a creative player. He had, you know, it was almost a Andy Gore. Yeah, I mean, it makes you wonder what. I mean, I was talking about this on the um, football ping pong podcast last week about how, you know, had what happened in that '91 Cup final not happened, what would have happened? You know, all ifs and buts. Yeah. But um, it was, you know, that you, you've only got to wonder what he would have gone on to achieve had he not. I mean, because he essentially lost what two years of his career, much, maybe, yeah. maybe you know, pushing three. And then just sort of, this was his sort of comeback era, wasn't it, really? Because Lazio, he, although he did some good things at Lazio, he was always just sort of coming back from that injury. So when he came to, when he went to Rangers, he was almost finding his, his early 90s form again. And I suppose you could argue it was maybe not the highest standard, but it was a higher standard than it is now. And it's, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at the team that, that played with him around then now. Um, Andy Gorham, mm. obviously, in goal, but then, and, you know, as you said, Richard Goff, Trevor Stephen was still there, only, only played seven times. Uh, Ali McCoy, Stuart McCall, Gordon Jury, you know, Gascoigne himself, Loudrop, um, Peter Van Vossen. Oh, Peter Van Vossen, yeah. Yeah, uh, and Mark Hately, who only played four times and scored twice, which is um, funny, but was, was Basil Bolly there at that point as well? Um, but yeah, absolutely, you're right, it's, it's like that... If you couldn't see many of them at a ranges of today, particularly, no, no way. could you? It's a different game, isn't it? I think. But, yeah. but, then, but what's interesting? I mean, what were, what were the sort of clubs playing, paying um, English play? You know, what were English clubs paying there? I mean, well, they paid like four point three for Gascoigne. Yeah, and, but, I mean, in terms of wages, I mean, we're talking back sort of mid nineties. You're talking at what fifteen, twenty grand a week for a top top player? Maybe I think less. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the top the top player so um, you know I mean what would Rangers have been playing paying half that I mean they wouldn't have matched that I wouldn't have thought would they I mean, it's, it is uh, until you start talking about it it's a, it's a bit of a bizarre one isn't it I mean I, I know Rangers have obviously been on the brink and come back again so there is less prestige of them as a club in 2019 but the Scottish game I suppose is, is poorer for that gap and it's kind of not seen as well as it was in the 90s but there isn't a massive difference to what they were going, what they're going to win, how they're doing in Europe. It just seemed to be the perception of the clubs. Well, I th- well, it was the it was the fact they could attract the players. I yeah. think. I mean, I mean, now a top, well, I say not a top, but a, but a top flight player would probably rather stay on the bench at an English club than go to Rangers or Celtic. Yeah. Whereas then they would quite happily go to Rangers or Celtic. I mean, now they might even consider going to. I mean, look at. Someone like John Terry, you know, I know he's in a coaching role, but he's gone to Villa. You know, it was a drop down to the Championship when he went there, and 
but whereas then a move to Rangers or Celtic was almost a it wasn't a downward step, but it was more of a sideways step. Whereas now, if you went to one of the old firm, it's it's it, you're almost it's almost the equivalent of going down two divisions, I think. Unless you're Clint Hill, of course, because then it was just showing how brilliant you are, even at 39 when you left QPR. But still, well, I always say about you know when Gordon Strachan took over at Middlesbrough, his plan, which was wasn't actually a bad idea, it just it turned out it was a bad idea. I know it's a stupid thing to say, but he his decision, and I actually talked to him about this and he said he, w- he went to Borough and his idea was he was going to go to the Scottish Leagues pick all the, get all the best Scottish players get them to come to play for Borough in the Championship pay them double what they were getting in Scotland which they'd get in, in um, the Championship at that point and this is a point where Borough had no money and went out and, and got a, a lot of players from that league so we got like Scott McDonald and Barry Robson and Barry Robson yeah uh, and uh, I can't remember else. We've got Steve McManus, I think, and and you know, and then you know Willow Flood and and Chris Boyd, who is still like scoring goals in their championship, which just makes me laugh. And so is Scott McDonald, I think. Um, he was an Aussie, and, though, wasn't he, Scott McDonald? Yeah, we I mean stayed with us for it. Yeah, but I mean, still, we got him from the Scottish yeah, yeah, League. Yeah, just yeah, just the um, came to And 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 that was the plan that you know he, he thought that there was loads of gems in Scotland that he could make and polish up and turn them into superstars in this country and do it on the cheap and it, and it just did not work out because they weren't of the quality that's why I always laugh like I, I think Chris Boyd wasn't good enough for Middlesbrough in the championship eight years ago and I think he's still playing Scottish championship football now where he's not turning up on um, sports scene and things like that I think yeah, but you've all, you've also got the flip side of that I mean you've got a good, you've got Gerard at Rangers and, and a good what two three Liverpool Lonely sort of youngsters yeah. that were basically essentially treating it as a bit of a learning curve, and you could almost accuse Gerard of doing that. I mean, I'm not saying he would say that, and he might disagree with me, but I mean, I don't think anyone expects Gerard to be at Rangers in say two or three years. I mean, whether he'll be at Anfield, I doubt, but I can, you know, you could see him quite easily taking a job in the English top flight, if not the the championship and and who's and I doubt he would turn his back on that really. Mm. I might be wrong. He might yeah. he might I like think that's, that's what it is now, isn't it? It's tail end of careers. You got like someone like Patrick Roberts who went on loan to Celtic. Then you got Jermaine Defoe who went to Rangers at the end of last season. I think you don't. They're not attracting Scott Sinclair aside, who I think didn't know where to go in the end because he was frozen out of Man City and needed to reinvent himself but normally it's at the tail end of careers rather than attracting the likes of Loudra well it's either the tail end of the career or a, a sort of a, a farm yeah. you know to then to then go on to, to other things and I think that will essentially be what that will ultimately be what um, sort of ruins the, the Scottish game is that people are either not going to want to go there for long or they'll, they'll go there and then they'll disappear off mm. which is a shame seeing as we've just named God knows how many great players that we yeah. all enjoyed watching. I mean, I remember the Scottish football in the mid-90s was great to watch. Yeah, it was. Um, no, it really I mean, was. Two names we have now. We mentioned George Cadet was another one. He played for Celtic. Yeah. Um, and Marco Negri, who I remember in, I think it was 98-99, scored like 25 goals before Christmas and everyone thought he was going to smash all these goal-scoring records. He ended up on 32, which is no, you know, still an amazing feat, but he just came out of nowhere, this guy, Marco Negri, and then didn't really hear of him again after that. But, Maybe that was a different side, but maybe that was Scotland on the wane. Um, let's move on because we have, I think, you know, we'll maybe do that in long form at some point and look at some old firm games. Maybe we'll do a rivals episode because we haven't done one of those. One, I'll get some Celtic and Rangers chat on here uh, more in depth at some point. Um, Dan's second topic, and I think it's something we've briefly touched on before, 
Um, and it screams Matthew Christ for some reason. I'm sure you've written an article about this. The Intertoto Cup? Surely you've written an article about the Intertoto Briefly, Cup. Briefly. I think yeah. I've written about five articles. Yeah, yeah. I think we've discussed it on here about ten times, yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've discussed West Ham because they won it in 1999. Um, Charging 30 quid a ticket to go and watch them play... Was it FC Jokerit or yeah. Jokerit or something? Jokerit of Finland, yeah. Mm, £30 pound a ticket. And, uh, in July 99, uh, they beat Heron Veen and then they beat Mets in the final with goals from uh, Trevor Sinclair, Frank Lampard and Paolo Wonchop. Um, but there are a few other teams, I don't know if we've ever mentioned, who did compete in the Intertoto Cup. We won't stay on this long because, as I said, we have discussed it before. Um, 98, Crystal Palace went out to Sansaspor 4-0 on aggregate in the group stages. Um, They'd finished bottom in the Premier League that year, Palace. Then, it's bizarre. Well, for anyone who doesn't know, the Intertoto Cup was a competition that clubs entered for their own free will at the beginning of the season, and the highest-placed team within that lit-chosen league got a, a place in the Intertoto Cup. That if you won it, you got into the UEFA Cup. But they started in like mid-July, wasn't it? It started so early that clubs tend to not want to be in it. Um, and there are many years that English clubs didn't even qualify for it. But there's 98 was Palace, um, 95 it was Sheffield Wednesday and Tottenham. Both went out to Tottenham. Play. Didn't Tottenham field uh, Alan Pardew in that? Yeah, this is, I think we should yeah. have touched on before. Yeah. Um, yeah, we did. We talked about that. Because they lost 8 0 to um, Cologne of Germany. Um, which is well, they there. don't count that as a real game, though, Tottenham, in their records. They say it was a pre season friendly. Yeah, but... Well, it was whatever you take the Intertoto Cup. But it, but, it, but it was in a way. I mean, going back to the geeky stuff that I you know talk about a lot um you know it was that tournament was founded basically just so people could have a bet yeah. during the summer it was so people there were there were no pools coupons in the summer so they founded a tournament that um that teams basically played each other just so people could have a bet on the, the pools. Tottenham team here if you'd like to oh, hear it go on yeah go on uh chris day Stephen cart uh yeah Stephen cart jamie clapham kevin watson owen cole Mark Newson, David Byrne, not from Talking Heads, uh, Alan Pardew, Steve Slade, Next Andy up. Turner, Simon Spencer, and then um, Simon Wormel, Paul uh, Mahon, Mon, uh, and Robbie Simpson so came on I as well. A handful of first team appearances for Tottenham because I can't think of any of them that Stephen Carr obviously played for Tottenham, but other than that, Steve Slade played for QPR and without playing for Tottenham. Um, Jamie Clapham, best known at Ipswich, didn't really even realise he was at Spurs. Um, so yeah, so Do you think, here's a question, I mean obviously this, I can't see this ever happening now, although I assume, but it's not still going, is it? No, no. no. But, um, I mean, it, such is the clamour for European football now. I mean, say they reintroduced re, re, this and said, you know, if you win, the, win this tournament, you get a place in the Champions League. Do you think teams would go for it? Yeah. yeah, Champions League. Yeah, they, yeah. they walk over hot coals to be in the Champions League, don't they? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I suppose it wouldn't. Maybe not even a Europe. But then I suppose a, even a Europa League. I mean, if if Sheffield United say got a place in the in a modern day Intertoto Cup that would get them into the Europa League, I mean, do you think they would do it? I don't know. The Europa League's a funny one for me because teams seem to not care about it until they get to the latter yeah. stages anyway. Yeah. So. Look at, I think you'd have to look at somebody like Burnley, yeah, and go and well, the fact they turned did. their back on it almost didn't well, they? Well, the beginning I mean, of last I think season, they wanted to do quite well in it, and then they didn't. But then it took them a long time after that to get their season yeah. sorted out because they weren't ready for Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. They just didn't have the depth there, and then that's when they pulled themselves out of it. Because I think well, they didn't I pull themselves out of it. They got beaten, didn't yeah. they? I mean, they sort of rolled over yeah. and got that their yeah, tummy sickle. 
I mean, I, I, I just think... find it bizarre because I think, to me, and probably every, all of us, um, you know, being playing in European competition is the biggest thing you can want and do, and to to sort of you know snub it for um, you know for whatever reason. I just don't, I don't get that at all. But yeah, I, I suppose again talking about a certain age, but I just think if you, if you asked. I mean, you look at some of the clubs that have qualified for it, not just in the 90s, but before that. You know, Swindon Town had a great record in it. They, you know, they've got a great history in the Intertoto Cup. And there's, there's teams that would... I mean, John Burridge says it was the highlight of his career winning it. And, um, and he played you know, in a lot of clubs. Yeah, I just, think it was, I just think it's a bit snobbish. But I suppose, are we, are we talking players or are we talking owners and, and shareholders, I suppose? But I, mean, I know... I think starting the season that early, as you say, Joe, it's, it's detriment to the start of their, the uh, domestic campaign I mean the, are you for talking about this third competition they're going to introduce I don't know if that's this I think it's the following season um, again which I don't know how they're going to even make people care about because people barely care about the Europa League at this point a, th- a third European yeah, cup competition okay that will never take off yeah well never. unless it's the cup winners cup I ain't interested well um, I think they're going to do, I think from what I've seen they're going to turn the Europa League into a sort of two tier yeah, system I think that's what they're going to do yeah but it's, I think they ultimately want to sort of get rid of half the uh, lesser teams um, and then make them fight to get into the Europa League one, if you, if that's the best way of describing it. Oversaturated, but just might as well do a European bloody Super League and be done with it. To be honest, but yeah, I think they will. Yeah, that's a, that's an argument for another day. But yeah, that's a little. So that's a little look back on the Interstate Cup. But I'm sure if you want more on it, Matthew can send you some articles about English teams and the history and and all that nonsense. But that Tottenham team is quite hilarious. Um, and Sheffield Wednesday were in that um, that group stage as well, and they went out as well. Um, the last topic um, we've got time for as well, um, Dan asks, is for, well, not asks us to discuss, is forgotten English players playing in Europe. Um, which I thought was a topic we haven't really covered as well, which was quite an interesting one. Um, we obviously know the obvious ones, particularly in Serie A with Gazza and Des Walker and Paul Ince and Platt and even our friend Tony Dorigo. Um, but there are some fun names you didn't realise played for some rather random clubs in the 90s. Um, Joel, do you have a favourite of those? Oh, well, I always remember, you know, from a Middlesbrough point of view, Jamie Pollock going to Osasuna um, in Spain, which I kind of think was a bit of a wangle round for him to go to Bolton Wanderers on a free. I don't, because I think he went to Osasuna, lasted about three or four months, and then the next thing you know, he was on his way at Bolton Wanderers again. But um, I think we're going back to Graham Souness, aren't we? Oh, and we, old boys we, club. It was that in the 1990s when he was in charge at um, Porto. Uh, Galatasaray, uh, are you talking? I was taught, well, Galatasaray did, didn't he? Yeah, he took he took quite a lot there, where he planted the flag of Galatasaray right in the centre of their uh, biggest rival's pitch, which which is quite hilarious. But yeah, he took quite a lot to Galatasaray, didn't he? I was thinking about when he went to uh, was he in charge at Porto, Graham Souness, and he took Brian Dean and a, and a few others like that. I think Scott Minto went there. Um, ben Faker, uh, you're talking about Ben Faker. Sorry, yeah, yeah not Porto. Yeah. Um, so that was, uh, I always remember them, yeah, yeah, definitely uh, Graham Souness went there, uh, and sorry, definitely Brian Dean, definitely uh, Mark Pembridge went there, I think, oh, as well. Pembridge, yeah. Scott Minto, really oh, strange, yeah. Scott Minto, definitely, yeah, the most boring television presenter in history. How did he get that gig? I don't, he's strange. as dull as dishwater. 
Do you think makes David Prutton look that, like Liberace. Yeah, that's yeah. why he got that gig. I think that, that is why he got this that This is gig. what we were saying the other day. Football, TV companies and broadcasters now, they don't want any opinion. They just want an easy life. And that's, what, that's what he does. They thought he was Dave Jones, because they look quite alike, Dave Jones. Has got me in there. <laughs> he looks like Dave Jones, maybe. He's just going to just keep him. Um, yeah, soon as Steve Harkness team. went there, Michael Thomas went there, Gary Charles went there, Dean Saunders went there. So he didn't have to take a bunch of them, did yeah. he? In yeah. the late night, I think we ended up with Michael Thomas and we ended up with Brian Dean as well. Mm. Yeah, he, went to, he had a few of them there. And he also had uh, Barry Venison at Galatasaray and Mike Marsh, believe it or not, uh, <laughs> at Galatasaray as well, which is one of those random ones. Um, I found out as well. Um, Matthew, who do you remember? Who was it? That, who was it? That, was it Ferdinand? Les Ferdinand, who? Besiktas, but that was uh, 88, 89. I have him, uh, uh, okay. Yeah, I have him on my list. Yeah, we loaned him out, um, which is a really random loan. He did really well out there, actually. But yeah, he came back a much better player, um, obviously, and uh, went straight to our first team after that. But um, he wasn't the only one who had a spell in Turkey as well. Um, Kevin Campbell at Trambonzaspor in 98, 99 is another random. Daly and Atkinson too, of course. Benabashi. yeah, and he did really well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I love Daly and Atkinson as a player. I thought he was a fantastic player, and um, yeah, he got ten goals in twenty-one appearances for Fenerbahce, ninety-five, ninety-seven. So I suppose, I suppose, really, that was the sort of end of his career. And I think a lot of these players we mentioned, it's again going back to the old, the old days of a bit like players maybe used to go to Scotland. You know, and these they used to have to go somewhere else and play their trade, which they obviously don't do now because they don't have to. But um, yeah, Lee Sharp, Lee Sharp didn't go to. Did he go to Sampdoria? Didn't he? Yeah, on loan, and he played three games. Yeah, which is a bit mm-hmm. Danny Dicchio went oh, to Sampdoria as well, didn't he? There. Yes, just Mr. Young. Yes, that transfer that stunned a whole Loftus Road. Danny Dicchio, who was a very fine young player at, at QPR, but how he got a move to Sampdoria, I will never ever know. Um, but yeah, we, he, he did. He did all right over there. First player to ever score for Toronto FC as well. There's a little fact about Daniel Dicchio. Um, I just got this image of Graham Souness and all his, you know, boys on a night out in Benfica with the sangria, just rolling, just having a laugh, just thinking, oh, this is an old, you know, the, the fun they must have had that season in Benfica. Or just well, especially seeing as most of them were probably in their thirties, weren't yeah, they? I mean, well, so, certainly Souness was, but you know, a lot of those players then were. Yeah, I mean, it must have just been a sort of a jolly up, really, like a have we the same pet of, uh, of football? Is you know, do you want to get the call? Do you want to come and play in Lisbon? You know, five grand a week, whatever it was, decent money, probably not great money, but enough to live on, and um, and you go and yeah, go and have a great yeah, life. El Stadio, El Stadio de Luis. Yeah, there's a great there's a, there's this thing on Wikipedia that I've just read. Apparently, he signed Dean Saunders and Brian Dean ahead of a young Deco. <laughs> oh, whether it's true or not but that's just brilliant that's just that's great I love that Steve Harkness and Gary Charles playing for Benfica fantastic um, but yeah Brits Abroad that's an interesting obviously there was the more successful ones that I mentioned Paul Gascoigne as we talked about already Des Walker at, at, um, was he Sam Doria as well wasn't he Des Walker yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, was, who, I mean, who do you think was the most successful of all time Ever and not just the nineties, but I mean, people say that John Charles, John Charles is the one everyone will go. Juventus to, is the yeah. one that everybody sort of goes mad about. But well, I think you know, Gareth Barrow's clearly got has got to be up there. He's won four Champions Leagues, so yes, yeah. I mean, we're making the mistake of forgetting, you know, anything after the, about two thousand. But yeah, I suppose you definitely have to 
put in him in there. I mean, I was thinking Lineker. I mean, Lineker doesn't get the credit he deserves. Yeah, for. Did well for Barca. I mean, they, that, did, they did. I think it's because he got played out on the wing at the yeah. end, didn't he? When yeah, Cruyff I mean, was in charge, Cruyff didn't fancy him no, for what? Well, that was the era when managers would basically, if they didn't like somebody, they would sort of almost push them out the door. As now, I suppose it sort of happens, but it, obviously, if you're a big player, you're an asset, so they have to play you. But but Lineker was sort of shunted out. But he, I mean, he scored some goals, and, it, and that was in an era when it was very but rare for British players to go and, and mm. do so well abroad. I mean, it was such a big deal, wasn't it? Hughes had gone abroad. there and not Hughes, been Hughes particularly had a stinker successful. There. I mean, yeah. And um, Rush had yeah. gone to Juventus and it hadn't particularly worked. Uh, Platt, David, David Platt, Platt is well. the one who's yeah. the kind of... Who probably did better abroad than he did in the English league, I, I suppose. He was very, a, a sort of, at that time, Italian-type player. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. He was part of that Arsenal team that won the double, didn't he? But he was very much a kind of bit-part player. He was him. almost signed just to sign somebody, wasn't he? Wasn't yeah. he signed about the same time as Bergkamp? Yeah, yeah. Bruce Rioch signed them both, didn't he? But yeah, yeah. I mean, Steve McManaman's probably got a shout for what he did at Real Madrid. Probably yeah. Not as yeah. longevity as, um, who did I say, Gaff Pell. Obviously, um, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else who you'd stands out, but I think you'd have to say Gareth Bale just because of what he's won, scored in the Champions League final, of course, last season as well. Although he's not, you know, he's not. I don't think he's very well loved down there, which is a bit like. No, there's talk they're trying to push him out of the yeah, door, isn't there? But nobody him, really wants yeah. to. I mean, you think if he's going to go anywhere, it'll probably be somewhere like Bayern Munich or mm. or something rather than come back to. To Britain, because I think it was talk. I think there was talk in Marcel or one of the, one of the Spanish sports papers that um, it, it, he had been offered back to Tottenham, but you wouldn't think that they'd be in a position to offer him half a million pound he's a week. He's linked with he's linked with United. And I can see yeah. I can see him going there because you know what United are like. They're probably thinking, oh yeah, we'll uh, shift a million shirts a week, and uh, you know, to hell with the consequences, which is basically what that club thrive off but uh, I mean I think he's still a great player I, I yeah. think he's got a lot to offer but um, yeah um, yeah he probably won't get the recognition he deserves which a lot of players that go to leave England for Europe don't do they I mean it's almost like you've sort of turned your back on out of on, sight out of mind yeah and there's been, do it. I mean look at Jaden Sancho this season he's you know he's done and he's had a t- amazing season at Borussia Dortmund and Reese Nelson out there in the Bundesliga as well I think uh, Owen Hargreaves as well back in the day although I never quite got what Owen Hargreaves meant yeah. to be well he was a well solid player him, yeah. he was a he was a good you know he, if you look back he's a kind of player that you'd want in your team and you know in an England team now you'd think he's you know, sort of a coach cultured player wasn't he you don't seem to get that expression now but um but no, i think there's definitely a, a snobbishness about that so you know oh well he's got to, surely he's going to want to play in the premier league well you know there's plenty of other good teams out there that will give you the money and the opportunity to play so why, why wouldn't you but um not jonathan yeah. Woodgate. he didn't he had the worst debut of all time didn't he yeah, yeah, scored an own goal. Well, when he was at Real Madrid, he was always coming in when I was DJing at the corner house in Middlesbrough. Um, and like we used to do a, a night called 69 because when the, when the uh, drinks first went on sale, it was 69 pence a drink. Mm. And uh, it used to be chock-a-block every Thursday night. And when Woodgate was injured at Real Madrid, he'd be there in the corner house fannying about. And I'd just be going, if you're fit, you're Real Madrid's first-choice centre-back and you're about here in Middlesbrough, you're out of your mind. Do you think um, that was said a lot about him as a as a player? I mean, yeah, in terms of yeah. ambition and without wanting to, you know, slur the guy. But I just think that says to well, me he well, never really wanted to go. 
The reason he went to Leeds in the first place was to sort of, so he didn't have the distraction of Middlesbrough. He had, he had both offers, um, and then he he, uh, so he went he went to Leeds, then he went to did he go to Tottenham from Leeds? Yeah, uh, anyway, whichever way he went, Newcastle, Tottenham, then us, then back to Tottenham, um, and Real Madrid in the middle, and all that. Um, and he still couldn't afford a house in London. And he would still, yeah. Well, he, I mean, but he would be back in Middlesbrough every Thursday night when he was when he wasn't playing or, or wasn't there, and I just found it mind-boggling. Yeah, you part of me finds that. DJ, Joe. Yeah, sorry, when I was the he wasn't, sat, he wasn't in my room. I was. <laughs> no, he would go in the R and B room or the house room. He wasn't in my room. Mm, that's a... I just think, I mean, there's something charming about that, and I do like to hear that because if that was. Sort of, 30 years ago you'd say oh it's great that players still do that but to me that just stinks of he really didn't want to be anywhere else but home and you think the opportunity I mean you you mentioned McManaman earlier I mean there's a guy that completely embraced Mm. taking the plunge and going to play for the biggest club in Europe and learnt Spanish and was absolutely went for it and you know scored in the Champions League final and was one that did he win the Ballon d'Or? He was no, certainly. He's one of one of the yeah. He's one of the you know top players in Europe at the time. And then to think of Jonathan Woodgate in a no disrespect, Joe, but a club on a Thursday night in a sixty nine p bar. I mean, that just sort of says <laughs> as much as it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, no, it was no, no. I thought it was nuts. I thought it was absolutely insane. I and it, it and that wasn't like a one off thing, you know. But you'd see Downing would turn up occasionally and and things like that, and you just go. It, Christ, you people are insane. Yeah. I mean, you think he was probably on 50 grand a week then? Got to be. Maybe yeah. even not more. And he's in a bar where it's 69p a drink. Yeah, because, well, I mean, being <laughs> fair, it was the place to go on the Thursday. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, look, I would be there in a heartbeat. It was but... banging. But, you know, at the same time, yeah, but he'd, like, he'd have his own table in the place and sit with all, like, lots that of... That must uh... have cost him all of a pound. Well, exactly. Do you, have I told you the Stour Bucharest story? Okay, so you know when Middlesbrough played Stour Bucharest in the UEFA Cup? Ex-European champions. Ex-European champions, Stour Bucharest, yeah. Um, Well, they, um, and I I think it was when we had one of the mad comebacks in that run where we beat Stour by, I think we had to score four goals and and then we had to do the same against Basel. Um, So on the night of um, this, their game, Stour Bucharest game at our place, they booked one of the rooms in the corner house and they gave us thousands and thousands of pounds to fill it with champagne. Um, how, course, how much a bottle? A pound? Yeah, well, just we, we like you know they got top-notch stuff, but um, yeah, oh. they, they, I think they spent about like five grand. Gives about five thousand pound to, to hire the room and have their celebration in there. And of course, Borough beat them, um, so they didn't turn up. <laughs> so, yeah. so I had a great evening giving away all Stour Bucharest champagne to the Middlesbrough fans who were in the club that night, which was better than the uh, normal tap we were selling, I suppose. If only it was 69p a bottle. Yeah, but it, yeah, it probably it was. was. Trade price, it probably wasn't far off. No. Uh, yeah, I think I took about four bottles of it on. And the rest. Uh, David, David <laughs> Beckham's a name we haven't mentioned, players abroad. He did pretty well for himself. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we're going yes, yeah, beyond yeah. our Oh, we are. We our are. Niche. But Joe asked the question of ever, so I was still trying to think. Yeah, well, yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Um, he's another one who obviously did all right. Maybe not as well. He was a Galactico, I guess, wasn't he? So... Um, well, I think that brings our Galactico show to an end. Um, thank you, Dan, for those three subjects that was interesting to talk about. Um, follow Dan Barker at BarkerDan10. As I said, he's got a decent blog on 90s football, so go and check that out. 
um, and you can follow these two brethren as well. Uh, Joe, where can they follow you on the stage? Well, if if they want to be cool, they can be like Fred off First Dates and follow me on Instagram at JoelBabyHerk and on Twitter, I'm at uh, JoelBabyTweets. Oh, and Matthew, does Brian McClare follow you on Twitter? Um, I he doesn't need to. We speak most days anyway, so you know he knows what I'm up to. Yeah, he's cooking me. Yeah, he sent you to McDonald's to get his yeah. burger in. <laughs> yeah, he's he's cooking me tea next week actually. So uh, no. if I'm not on the show next week, I'm uh, I've got food poisoning. No, just yeah, all joking. That sounds like an episode. Maybe we should just all come and record it. Well, he says he's cooked me a lasagna and it's in his freezer and he's bringing it down next week. So um, I'll, sounds I'll, like an Oasis song. Sounds like Diggsy's dinner. We'll have <laughs> you know what, Diggsy yeah. um, from Diggsy's dinner plays in the bar about 200 yards from this very apartment I'm speaking to you from. Well, very you popular take, in Liverpool still. Take, um, yeah, taking some lasagna that Brian McClare's cooked. Yeah. Well, I won't do because if anyone knows my cooking ability, I'll be eating that for about a week because I don't like cooking. I live off takeaway. So if Chucky's going to cook me frozen lasagna, I'll be uh, rationing that for a for a long time and where can I people, just, and where can just people find you on the Twitter that's what I actually well they can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Matthew J Christ obviously there we go and on Instagram with your best Instagram picture out there he's got curtains same handle he's got same handle um, but you can follow me at Ashrose UK on both but more importantly follow the show at AK90s on Twitter and AK90s pod on Instagram and we'll be back with more 90s natter and lots lots more including more news on our live show yes it's getting closer and we should really start planning it boys so uh, yeah more information well, you're, you're not already I've got ideas yeah don't worry it's okay. all in the can it's all good um, our friend of the show Greg Lansdowne's going to be there now as well doing his own talk or panel or something on stickers and collectibles so um, yeah so there's more fun um, have you got a Steph Houghton match attacks card by any chance Ash? Um, I don't think they do Lady Max attacks cards. Oh, well, that's, that's a bit sexist, isn't it? Considering um, it's, the, it's the Women's World Cup starts. because they haven't got the license because Panini do the uh, women's sticker book. Ah, uh, okay. There you go. It's all, yeah. There, it's and there's a Women's World Cup sticker book out, is there? Yes, there is at the moment, yeah. Well, yeah. I believe so. I'm seeing grown men going insane on Twitter asking about got, got need and everything. No, 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 but I'm sure Greg is. I'm sure Greg's collecting it. Sure he is. You can ask him on uh, August the 4th. We will ask him that. Jump us for goalposts, it's called. Check him out on Twitter. Buy some tickets. Come and see us talk about 90s live and a whole lot more. Um, but until then and until next time, I've been Ash Rose. He's been Matthew Chris. He's been Joel Young. This is Alive and Kicking. Keep it 90s. <laughs>